Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, All Black, All News, All You, for Tuesday, July 17, 2012. This broadcast is designed to service the African-American communities in Chicago and around the world. Today's segment is called CBBN Business Journals. CBBN Business Journals will feature interviews with business owners and other innovators from around the world. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue, author of Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions, Book 1, 2010, now available on Amazon.com, producer for this series and founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. We have close to 1,000 members now. Come over and join us today and touch the world. Through CBBN Business Journals, we get to travel down many roads, and along some of these paths, we must stop and contemplate our blessings, and you should do the same. Our guest is Ms. Judy Gray Johnson, author of Living with Sickle Cell Disease, The Struggle to Survive. Her website is www.judygrayjohnson.com. From her childhood to now, Ms. Johnson has lived with sickle cell disease. She attended college, taught school, raised a daughter, and even presided over a major teachers' union, all while enduring severe pain, which usually required emergency room visits, blood transfusions, and assistance with the pain through drugs. Yet, at times, we must stop and contemplate our blessings. We must also understand, as Ms. Johnson shares her story, that there's little excuse for failure, even through the trials and tribulations. Let's welcome Ms. Judy Gray Johnson to CBBN Business Journals. Welcome to the show, Ms. Johnson. How are you? Well, thank, thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. We're looking forward to this conversation Ms. Johnson, let's yes. be, let's begin at the beginning so that we can be sure that our listeners have a clear understanding of sickle cell disease, first of all, okay? What is sickle cell disease? Okay. Uh, sickle cell disease is a group of inherited red blood cells disorders. Uh, healthy red blood cells around, and they move through small blood vessels carrying oxygen to all parts of the body. In the sickle cell patient, the red blood cells become hard and sticky and look like a C-shaped farm tool called a sickle. The, uh, so sickle cells can get stuck in small blood vessels and block the flow of blood and oxygen to organs in the body. It is these blockages that cause repeated episodes of severe pain and uh, organ damage uh, serious infections, or even a stroke. So, uh, in essence, that's what it is. That, that's the technical definition. However, I would define sickle cell for me as pain. And this is what we endure time and time again, uh, almost on a daily basis. Almost on a daily basis. And Absolutely. is this... Is this continuous, so there's a period where there's no pain, but you just never know when it's coming? Is there some type of warning when this pain is about to happen to you, or do you get to know when you're going to have, uh, I don't know if it should be called an attack or a spell, a pain spell? Tell us about that. Yes. Uh, let, let me say this. There is pain every day. However, there are different degrees of pain. So you learn to live with it. 
But when it comes to uh, gets to the point where it's unbearable, that is where you need to be uh, heading towards the emergency room. So um, you have no warning in many, many instances, but when you feel it coming on, you know that uh, it gets to the point where there's nothing you can do except head to the emergency room and get immediate care. And it should be treated as an emergency because what we know now is that when you have repeated uh, episodes or crises over time, it's, uh, and that's due to the lack of oxygen that has gotten into all of the uh, extremities, uh, that is what causes the damage to all of our organs uh, because of the repeated uh, episodes. Now, let me ask you this. Let me tell our listeners, we're, 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 today we're with Ms. Judy Gray Johnson, author of Living with Sickle Cell Disease, The Struggle to Survive. Let me ask you this. Now, the organs are affected, and so therefore as a result of this disease, you have problems, other problems now because the organs are affected because they're not getting enough oxygen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So at, uh, at, yes. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yes. What, what I was uh, trying to uh, say is that uh, usually these uh, episodes, they occur almost from the time you're born on up until, you know, until you leave this earth, but at different degrees. Uh, however, after repeated uh, crises, repeated crises over a period of time, you can, uh, you will eventually have uh, kidney disease. You could have, uh, uh, you could have uh, liver problems, and uh, let's see, that's because of repeated blood transfusions. Uh, you can have arthritis, which sets in uh, in your uh, uh, shoulders which continue to eat away at your, 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 your bones in your shoulders. I've had a, a, a shoulder replacement, uh, a left shoulder replacement, and uh, the, uh, the right one needs a partial replacement. I have not yet had that done. Uh, you could have um, a knee replacement, hips replaced. Many sickle cell patients have had both hips replaced or even one, uh, one knee or both, and these are the kinds of things that happen down the road. You don't see that right away, and it's not going to happen right away, Uh, but it's caused because of repeated crises, repeated not getting enough oxygen throughout the body. That's the key right there. Absolutely. Now, because of the repeated blood transfusions, our people who suffer with sickle cell disease more susceptible to HIV? Now, I have not heard that connection. However, you have to understand, HIV uh, is uh, that's transmitted through other means. A uh, sickle cell patient is, um, uh, that is a heredi- hereditary disease, but let me tell you, they are very, very careful when they give us the transfusions double-checking the blood and everything. I guess the only way that we could get the HIV is through the blood transfusions uh, that maybe was contaminated by other means. But uh, 
that is the only connection uh, that uh, I'm aware of at this time. Uh, so, okay. we, but they do, but they are careful uh, in uh, administering the blood transfusions to us. And uh, unfortunately, there is no cure, and we have no choice, really. When uh, when we go through these crises and our blood gets low, uh, we need blood. We need uh, pain relief, and so we have to go through that, uh, the pain episodes, and uh, so that's what occurs. I understand. I would be curious to find that out. Uh, I want to. I want to look that up. I am curious about that part. But I do understand, given all the choices and the pain, you choose one over the other. Now, you said it was an inherited disease, but yet all yeah. the children in a family will not have the disease, or will all the children no. in a family have the disease? How does that work? No, not necessarily. Uh, not necessarily all of them would have that disease. Uh, what you have, in other words, if you have a gene, uh, so first of all, you must get tested. Uh, both parents should get tested so you'll know exactly what you're dealing with. Let's say, for example, one parent has the, um, the uh, trait or disease and the other parent has it as well. Well, then, there is a one in four chance, if you have four children, there's one in four chances that you're going to have a child with sickle cell disease. Uh, those are the chances that you take. But let me just say this. Uh, when you look at the pain and the devastation uh, that we go through, and I really would recommend that people really read this book so you'll understand what it is like in the day of a life of a sickle cell patient, it is important to uh, be able to make informed decisions. Do you want to, uh, what are your chances for bringing a child into the world with sickle cell? Understand that when that child is born and should that child have sickle cell, you're talking about a lifetime of, of, uh, of uh, care. You're talking about a lifetime of doctors and hospitals, um, you know, for, for varying degrees and specialists. So, uh, but the chances are increased when you have, uh, both parents have the disease. Now, however, if you only have one parent, that has the disease or trait, then there's not much likelihood that your child will be bothered by it. Your child may have the trait, but it's not likely your child will suffer, you know, from the uh, ravages of this disease in later life. Now, at this point in time, 2012, we are hoping in your lifetime that you've seen a lot of changes in the treatment of the disease, the diagnosis of the disease, and the care of the people, uh, especially from the, the babies, you know, who come here in almost in pain, I would assume, from birth, in their treatment and care because we become more knowledgeable, hopefully, as time goes on. What is the biggest myth about this illness? Tell us, Ms. Johnson. Okay. One of the myths is, is that, number one, we're lazy. And because of this disease, we suffer a lot from exhaustion. Uh, you know, with no warning or anything uh, that you could uh, uh, pin it on, you can't say, well, oh, well, you worked really hard that day, so you must be tired. We can wake up tired during the day, uh, during the morning. And uh, But so one myth is we're lazy. We don't want to do. We can prevent this, that kind of thing. 
The other myth is, is that when we seek treatment for this excruciating pain, they assume, they, meaning the medical profession, assume that we're drug seekers. And because unfortunately, the only type medication that is known as I speak is narcotics. That is your morphine, uh, your dilatins, your oxycontin, and other types of uh, Percocet, things like that. You have to have those kinds of strong medications in order to get rid of the pain. We don't have any control over that. This is what the doctors use, and that's the only thing that we are aware of as I speak that can eliminate the pain. After the pain has subsided, then you consider, well, what else is it that can be done? Uh, How else could we have better treated this? There is no cure as I speak, so the, the, the researchers must continue to find ways to, uh, that can, um, that can uh, uh, eradicate this pain. But uh, the myth is that we're drug seekers, and, uh, but we have no control over this, and that's what I want the public to know. Great. Now, we're going to take a a short break, and we're going to come back, and we want to tell you what it means to be in a crisis. And then we're going to talk uh, about your book, okay, Ms. Johnson? And uh, glad that you're sharing all of this with us. I certainly, you know, I do know people with children with sickle cell, but if you're not living that life yourself or you're not living in that household, then you don't know these type of things. So I'm I'm grateful that you're here with us this morning and sharing this information with us. Stay with us. You're listening to Chicago's, no problem. You're listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. Today's segment is called CBBN Business Journals. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. We have close to 1,000 people networking with us now. Visit us at Chicago's. That's Chicago with an S, blackbusinessnetwork.com. Join us today and touch the world. We're going to take a short break right here and hear from our supporters and our sponsors, and we're going to come back and talk with our guest, Ms. Judy Gray Johnson, author of Living with Sickle Cell Disease, The Struggle to Survive. Her website is judygrayjohnson.com. Stay with us, and we'll be right back with you. For true inspiration, check out singer, songwriter, and radio personality, Sylvia Fedrick. Sylvia, your sister under God's construction, brings to you her best in Christian contemporary gospel tunes. And they are available for download at www.sangseal.com. That's S-A-N-G-S-Y-L.com. Or you can visit her profile at Chicago Black Business Network. For bookings, call Sassy Michelle at 512-914-4221. Does your insurance company work for you? Hi, this is Ken Robinson, President and CEO of Ken Robinson & Associates Limited. We are an insurance brokerage firm located at 5963 West Madison Street, Chicago, Illinois. Our phone number is 773-626-0883. We make the insurance experience easier by shopping for you, saving you time and money. Our agency features the best insurance products, giving you the most competitive prices. We insure needs for less, featuring life, health, annuities, homeowners, auto, SR-22, bond cards, business owners' policies, general contractors' liability, and vacant buildings. 
Now, we also offer coverages most major insurance companies no longer offer. Please call for a free quote at 773-626-0883. Partners in Community Building focuses on credit building, financial literacy, and home ownership for residents throughout Chicago and Illinois. All of our services are free. Call 312-328-0873 to get additional information on our homeownership counseling, rental assistance, Cook County foreclosure mediation, and small accessible repairs for seniors programs. PCIB is a HUD-certified nonprofit counseling agency committed to addressing the housing needs of all people. Call 312-328-0873 to schedule an appointment or visit us at www.pcibchicago.org. Somewhere a child is waiting. Somewhere a child is waiting for you, and Unity Parenting and Counseling makes it possible for that child to be connected with his new family. Unity Parenting and Counseling will help you through the application process, training, and certification. Call Brenda Weatherspoon today at 312-455-0007 to be connected at the heart. Call 312-455-0007 today so that each day that child is closer to home. We're back, and you're listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. Today's segment is CBBN Business Journal. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. We are reaching out to business owners to join us and be a part of this journey. Of this journey. And if you're interested in being a sponsor, simply give us a call at 773-609-2226. That's 773-609-2226. With us today on CBBM Business Journals is Ms. Judy Gray Johnson, author of Living with Sickle Cell Disease, The Struggle to Survive. Welcome back to the show, Ms. Johnson. And what we're going to do now, you're welcome. What we're going to do now is, uh, first of all, Tell me, what does it mean to be in a, in a crisis? You may have mentioned some of it, but tell us, our listeners, what it means to be in a crisis. Okay. Uh, it affects you through your joints, uh, usually, uh, almost through any joint, but usually your A arm or both arms, A leg or both legs, or your chest or your back. Uh, it comes on suddenly. The pain starts suddenly, and it can be anywhere from mild to severe. Somehow, uh, the patient knows when it's escalating, and uh, it's excruciating pain. I don't know how to explain it except to say that it's your worst pain that you could ever imagine. Some people think that, oh, well, if I had this terrible toothache, I know that's a bad, that's a bad pain. Sickle cell is worse than that. Uh, you know, it's excruciating, let's put it that way. And it can last from any length of time. A short, it all depends on how quickly you can get uh, treatment and uh, how quickly the medicine uh, will take effect. And if it is in the arms, uh, you cannot use your arms. Uh, if it's in your legs, you can't walk, and that's how devastating it can be. Now, tell me, Ms. Johnson, uh, why did you write this book? Why did you want to share well, this? Yes, 
this is a book that I had to write. Uh, I'm 69 years of age, and I'll tell you, there is not much that I've seen or not have not seen, have not experienced with this disease. In other words, my whole life has been sickle cell. Um, you wanted to talk about, well, how far have we come? I was born in 1943. The first words to be uttered about sickle cell was not even uttered until 1910. So that's when they discovered something uh, that, um, uh, you know, it was uh, uh, that resembled this uh, shape or this uh, cell that they were, uh, they were, uh, you know, they had discovered that they could apply to sickle cell anemia. In 1910, I was born 33 years later. And if you know anything about sickle, about the research, it takes years for information to trickle down to the community uh, in which uh, you know you're studying uh, whatever disease it is. And so, uh, unfortunately, for the first 16 years of my life, I suffered from all of the uh, symptoms of sickle cell, the excruciating pain, but there was absolutely zero treatment. So in other words, I am lucky to be alive, and uh, the only way that I got through this, I, just by the grace of God, and uh, the pain just wore off because although my mother would take me to the doctor, the doctor uh, had never heard of anything like this and didn't know what the strange illness was. He just told my mother to uh, put liniment on my arm and she'll be okay. Well, I come from a very uh, small, very poor uh, community, very poor community, and there were few blacks in that area. Now, I don't mean to imply that this is only a black disease. It's not only a black disease, but it's a predominantly black disease. And so, um, you know, one doctor in the town that served over 4,000 people, you can imagine the doctor just didn't have time to keep up with what was going on. So in other words, from the time I was born up until 16 years of age, there was zero treatment because you cannot uh, consider liniment as treatment. It absolutely did nothing. And uh, so I was diagnosed at 16. And that was when I happened to be um, visiting an aunt in Jacksonville, Florida, and I had an episode. My aunt called her doctor and described the symptoms, and he said, bring me in. He tested me, and he, he made the diagnosis that I had sickle cell. But the, I want the public to understand, that was during a time when older people did not discuss anything of substance with children. And... 16 years of age, you're still a child. And so everyone just talked over your head. So they talked among themselves and then just did whatever they thought was best. And so I was kept in the dark. So I didn't know what was going on from the time of birth to 16. And then the only thing I knew at 16 was sickle cell, period, no discussion or anything. But understand as a young person at that time, I knew how badly the, uh, this uh, disease can treat you, and I knew that whatever it was, it was bad. It was not good. So I didn't want to know anything about it. And I just said, well, my elders, they were taking, you know, they're doing what they know is best, and uh, so now, it, you know, they'll just deal with it. And so that's what has happened there. Now, um, 
here we are many years later, and you say, well, and of course I've moved away from that small town into larger cities and all, and I've been to many, many different hospitals uh, for this, and you say, well, where have we, where are we today? Today, uh, every infant is tested when they are born. This is good. But the important thing is, is that parents need to understand, they need to be able to look ahead to see some of the things that can happen. Uh, what is some of the things that uh, the parents and the community can do to assist this family? Because dealing with sickle cell anemia, it is larger than any one person, it is larger than any family, and it is larger than any community. You need to know what you're dealing with and how you can become involved, how you can assist that family and, uh, and the community in terms of spreading the awareness of this disease and the importance of getting tested so we don't continue to bring children into the world that would possibly have this disease. Or now that they're here, how do you assist them? And that's, and, and that's the key here. You're listening to CBBN Business Journals. I guess this is Judy Gray Johnson, author of Living with Sickle Cell Disease, The Struggle to Survive. And, Ms. Johnson, I think that that's applicable to many different diseases that children can have or be born with or mental illness. Uh, I think rarely do we know the struggle that a family is going through when they're dealing with a child with mental illness. It is bigger than them, it's bigger than their family, and it's a part of the whole community. But we rarely know what's going on and what it takes to, to raise a child unless you're involved with it. And a lot of people turn their backs. They don't want to be involved. They don't want to know what's going on over there and be a part of families that have illness. They feel right. they shy away from that responsibility. They don't want to know what's going on because they they, they feel like that's a burden on them and they don't have anything to do with that. And that's not their children, and my children are, are fine. Let me just ask you something. When you were growing up and as you reflect back, do you recall anyone else that may have been suffering like you that you can relate back to now? I was the lone child in the community that had such an illness. I can think of not one other child that was sickly the way that I was. Uh, You know, know, no one, absolutely no one. Uh, You have to understand that I came from a very small community, um, poor community. People had to work. And uh, so they had created means of continuing on with life and dealing with whatever the situation is that you were dealt and keep living. Uh, my mother put my younger, put my uh, sister, my that was 18 months older than me, in charge of me to take care of me while she continued to work as a custodian. And, um, you know, so... Okay. That that's just that's just the way that it was dealt with. But let me just say this: this is what you're right when you say that uh, people they sort of take a hands-off approach. Well, it's not affecting me. Oh yeah, I know somebody down the street uh, that uh, has a sickle cell child, and uh, well, let me tell them about it. But they don't realize they need to know this themselves. You know, um, 
let let me say this uh, that uh, what the the business community needs to understand and why they should be concerned about this because we are your future workers. We could be your future workers. You need to know that when people walk through your doors, everyone is not going to be perfectly healthy. So when you're dealing with sickle cell, what do you do for this particular person and yet continue to to run your business? It can be done and uh, because there are periods of time when we do feel well enough to perform some function in the community. And um, so, but you need, but we need to understand that. Let me say this. The whole purpose of doing this show is to foster an awareness throughout the community. And I want the community to understand that sickle cell disease is a major health issue. And what complicates it is that when you see me and other sickle cell patients, we don't look like we have any problems. Uh, We look normal. Uh, We don't have a broken arm or broken leg that you can see, oh, we need assistance. Everything is internal, and that's what we need to understand. This is a major health issue. Also, we need to increase awareness of the world community regarding the sickle cell disease because now, there's much you can learn, not just from us uh, and all, but you can learn from the experiences that we have in the uh, in the emergency rooms. Uh, yes, what ma'am. Families, you know, and the, yes, uh, ma'am. I'll tell you, outlined in my book, I talk about many, many instances of care in, or lack of care in the emergency rooms. We're humiliated uh, when we go there. Um, We are given uh, substandard care when we go there. And uh, the instances in my book, they're well documented. Um, So everything I have there, it's important for you to understand. So, well, if this happens to a sickle cell patient, what is it that, you know, uh, even though I may not have sickle cell, I have other things uh, that I'm dealing with, and I have to go to an emergency room. Let me tell you, what we have found, sickle cell community has found, is that doctors and nurses, they don't feel that comfortable in dealing with people that have pain issues because of the uh, type of medication they have to give us. Uh, I've been overdosed three times in the hospital. Uh, I have... um, and uh, all of that is outlined. I have been subject to humiliation. I've been kicked out of a hospital. Uh, there's many, many instances, and you need to read it. And you say, well, now, given that information, what do I do if I have to go to a hospital? You've got to learn how to take notes. You've got to learn that you need to report these instances to the proper authorities. And I say go up the line chain of command because you need to get people on record in terms of their their views and their attitudes in terms of uh, what they have, uh, you know, t- uh, towards the care that you feel like uh, that your loved one should be uh, getting and all. So uh, it, it's a major it's a it's a major issue here. Well, Miss Johnson, this has certainly been a. Uh great conversation, a great dialogue. I've certainly learned a lot. And I think that we uh, we could 
I think there's so much more that you, you you need to share. And part of it you'll find in the book. This is uh, our guest today, Ms. Judy Gray Johnson, author of Living with Sickle Cell Disease, The Struggle to Survive. Even if you don't have a sickle cell child, or um, it will still be a good read for you because you may be able to share this information with someone else. Someone who has a small child, uh, it may be informative for them. I want to thank you for being with us today, Ms. Johnson. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay, and thank you so much. And I hope that everyone will check out my website, www.judygraydjohnson.com. And that gives, that will give you more information about me, about the book, and how to order it, Okay. Yes, ma'am. I thank you. I really appreciate you. want to remind you to listen to Black Wall Street USA every Thursday evening from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time with host Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street District Chicago and publisher and editor of South Street Journal newspaper. You've been listening, listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. Today's segment was CBB and Business Journals. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. We are simply reaching out to business owners to join us and be a part of this journey. Give us a call, 773-609-2226 for details. Thank each of you for joining us. We'll look for you again right here on CBBM Business Journals. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Bye-bye.